It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. It's sectional week right now as we record this. Every team is just three wins. Yeah, three wins away from playing in Champaign. Welcome in, everyone, as we begin to take a look at the sectional semifinal matchup for this Tuesday and Wednesday across the state. But before we get to that, Mike, uh, you had yourself quite the regional week. A little drama coming from the combination of the Public League, IHSA, and of course, Kenwood. Uh, how, how'd that go for you? You know, <laughs> last year I worked myself up into a tizzy over Joliet West and um, was having migraines, of weird stress or whatever. So I thought this was going to be a much calmer playoff run for me. Of course, that was not the case. We'd had very little public league drama all season after, I guess, Mike Irvin, Kenwood coach, got suspended early. But then it had been really quiet. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe it's because there just wasn't a lot happening in the public league. Well, for those of you who needed a, a quick refresher, um, you know, a lot of this is under dispute. But what seems to be factual is that the CPS Office of the Inspector General, which is an independent kind of investigative um, group that monitors CPS, they put out a big report every January that a lot of us read. And uh, I, this will stuff will all be in there next January. But right now it, it's kind of we're kind of piecing it together because nobody's really seen the report except for the IHSA and CPS. And to kind of make it brief is this has been a, a long investigation by the CPS inspector general. It's been going on for at least a year. It could be longer. We're not sure. What we do know is that according to the IHSA, this is not speculation. According to the IHSA on January 25th, the inspector general let the IHSA know about some residency violations that broke the IHSA bylaws by Kenwood players. And from what I'm told and from what was in the release, IHSA, you know, they let CPS run their own ship. And the IHSA waited for CPS to do something about these rules. Violations, CPS did not. And so on the, on Monday when the state tournament was starting, the IHSA was like, well, we need to do something. They kind of went back and forth with their lawyers. And then on Wednesday, they finally decided to do it. And you know, kind of all hell broke loose at that point. There were court challenges. There have been two court challenges, but the end result is, and this is interesting, by the way, I don't even think I've discussed this with you, Joe. If you look at all the IHSA releases, they mentioned that five players are ineligible. I don't know who the fifth player is. I've talked to Kenwood people. They have adult, they don't, they seem to not know, you know, Kenwood only had eight players. And when I showed up on Wednesday to see who was playing and who wasn't, it was pretty shocking. To, and I think it would be to most people. Um, Alex Alston, the, the junior, was not playing. And then seniors Edwan Dooling, Jaden Smith, and Chris Riddle. So those are the four we know. The other four players in the varsity roster were all playing. Then they brought up sophomores and freshmen. So I have no idea who this fifth player is or what's going on with that. But that's part of the weird thing. But I think 
something maybe that has been a lot and not properly described in this, maybe a new kind of talking point for the podcast. I'm not sure if you know this, Joe, but I'm fairly certain that all four players that, that we know of that are ineligible, they all live in Chicago. And that's not really under dispute. So I think a lot of people have thought this was the long reckoning of suburban players in CPS getting busted. That's not it, which is kind of strange. Uh, it, it's those are the previous the, those are the previous years in teams. Yeah, well, and <laughs> so, so yeah, these guys just they don't they're not meeting the CPS requirements for living in the Kenwood district. And some of them do now, but they didn't in the past. So the the way the IHSA works is you have to pay that penalty if they find out, you know, you didn't in the past live there. So that's happening with some of these kids. But we don't know who because nobody specifically told us anything because they can't say names. So it's all very murky, you know, and it in a way it doesn't look good because you the timing of it for the IHSA. But I know a lot of people have wanted this to come. So so I kind of think it's not what a lot of people think it is or have wanted for a long time. That's actually happening. Kenwood did manage to win. They beat Oakland, so they're playing Simeon. We'll get into that in the preview. But that's the kind of the the short version of the long story. It was up and down for days, and it looks to be pretty settled right now. I've been told there's no more court challenges coming from Kenwood. I think they've exhausted their kind of resources there. Mike Irvin's status right now, he's still employed, so I don't know how that's going to play out going forward. They went 0 for 2 court cases. 0 for right. 2, yes. Yeah, I mean, I we've we've heard of the investigation for a for a long yeah. time. Didn't obviously didn't talk or write about it. You know, I to make the bold statement that they made with the decision. You know, you would think there was some bona fide factual data and information that they had to just avoid with egg on their face. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are confused about boundaries in the, in the city for the public league. Um, you know, just the average fan. Uh, my question, I guess would be, I don't know if the IHSA is, they wait, they waited for the, you know, CPS to handle this. At what point would the CPS have done anything on their own? Do you know what I mean? I don't think they would have. So, I mean, is it just a going to brush it under the rug and let it go and let it be? Did they call the IHSA's bluff? Did they, you know what I mean? Those are the things that I, because if you're going to be given the authority to, as you said in your words, run their own ship, then, I mean, is that going to be taken away from them then? Well, that's the question. And I don't know how many people saw the press release. It's on the IHSA website. It is, I've been doing this, what, 20 some years. Uh, I was astounded. It was the most fascinating press release ever written by the IHSA. There is so much wild stuff in there. I couldn't fit it all into my newspaper story. I I should have done more it's crazy. You really need to go and read that. And there is a huge chunk of it is devoted to exactly that question, Joe, about why the IHSA felt they needed to kind of jump in on the CPS's territory because they clearly were kind of uncomfortable doing that. Uh, but they, they talked in there about why they needed to do it. And yeah, I think that's a great question. What 
I, it's just, yeah, it looks like CPS wasn't just wasn't going to do it. So what does that mean going forward? I mean, will the IHSA, remember, the IHSA is a member-led and run organization. So will IHSA member schools step up and be like, well, we can't let CPS run their own show anymore because they're not doing it. Right. I mean, to me, that if I was at another high school, that would be my initial reaction to this press release. I also heard that the CPS was not happy with this press release. They tried to get a lot of it changed from the IHSA because there's a lot in there. Go and read it. It's, on, it's going to the IHSA website and go to announcements. It, it'll be up there. I mean, it, it's pretty wild to me that, that they had to be this specific and say this much stuff. Um, well, Mike, you, you, you have to take care of your own house here at some point. I, it, it's just, you know, I, are there transfers everywhere? Yes, I, I there are. I mean, we, we our top teams in the 4A and 3A right now are are loaded and filled with one-year transfers at HF and Thornton. You know, I, I, and what nobody understands, including, well, I think anybody, the, the policing of it and the the checks on it, the checks and balances of it, I, I don't know where it is from school to school and from suburban areas to the public league. And it, it, it's just like a, it's like a runaway freight train. And, but if, if, if what they have on this situation in Kenwood is, is so clear to them, I mean, I, I, the IHSA did have to do something. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. And it's really interesting too, because they're kind of barely transfers. Alex Alston has never played anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Tooling. I, I don't, he, he started there, right? He's never played anywhere else. Mm-hmm. R- Riddle started there as a freshman. You know, he did go to Arizona for a year and came back. So I mean, technically, three of the four, they're like home school, the school they started at in Chicago. Which makes but- me lead to believe, though, that, like, you know, Rajon Roberts transferred in yeah. as, as plain, a one-year transfer. He was at Proviso West last year, and, you know, he was headed to Juliet West, and then he ended up at Kenwood. And, you know, and so it's not like they're picking on a certain, to your point, you know, these are these are – it's a different animal that you're dealing with, you know, with, with the versus the the transfer that's coming in. Yeah. It's very, uh, I mean, Jaden Smith was the one transfer, you know, he left after his freshman year, um, Lincoln park. And I hear that was contentious. And I think it's entirely possible. That's when all this started and it could have been going on since then, I, I believe, but yeah, it's an interesting case because it's not who you thought it would have been. I did not expect when I got to Kenwood, for these kids to be the kids that weren't playing. It was kind of yeah, fascinating. I mean, and, and it did. The the Jaden Smith transfer did kind of spur a lot of conversation, dialogue, all kinds of rumors of which school or, you know, reported all of this, you know, and. But, well, um, well, right. I think, okay. So that's in the IHSA press release, a complaint submitted by a Chicago public schools, high school. So if it's, from a kid that left, he's the only one that transferred from a public league school, correct? Yeah, I mean, the rumors are in, that it's Lincoln Park. That's the consensus among the city coaches that you talk to. Uh, you know, but I don't I don't know if other schools are just fed up with something. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it could be a, a, a rival, you know, a, a closer rival. But so that's the situation. Kenwood will play Simeon. We'll talk about that. We'll, let's get into it now. I don't think there's much else to... Um, Get on about yeah, it. The, yeah, let's, let's talk about that public league 
semifinals in you know that RB sectional is interesting because it yeah I wrote about it it's in the paper it literally is a little public league mini tournament part two you know and I, I don't know I mean I, I we know who the team to beat is and I don't think these teams Kenwood is shorthanded Young and Simeon are nothing like they've been in the past do you have one team I, I think the most interesting team to me is Young just because, you know, they've, I don't know. It's just, as much as we say the the Curie situation, every year we say the same thing. I, I, I started to feel like it's the same way with, with Young, where we just, I don't know. That's one a little bit more extreme because they're young, you know, youthful, and they the losses are mounting more than normal. But, I mean... I don't know. Munoz was gone for a month as back. Uh, you know, Howard Williams, a talented freshman who obviously is much better, you know, than he was even a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. He had a big regional game for them. Uh, they they kind of come in with nothing to lose. I, I just think that might be more interesting. I'm not saying they're going to upset him or beat him. I just think it could be a little bit more interesting than than we think. Yeah, you know how everybody talks about, oh, well, without this player, this is the most important player to his team. I think everybody understood Antonio Munoz was a good player and was important to that team, but I think no one really understood, maybe because how young the rest of them are, just how much they drop without him. I, I remember talking to Tyrone Slaughter in the locker room after the first game he missed, and Tyrone was like, yeah, you know, this will give a chance for some other guys to play and step up, and maybe in the long run we'll look back and it was a good thing. Man, it didn't go that way, <laughs> really. The well, guys that seemed lost the, without him. Well, and he's the one guy, I mean, if anybody watched them in the last year's sectional, Antonio Munoz as a sophomore was had a pretty good sectional yeah. uh, at, at Hinsdale Central last year. And so he has that experience. He's the one guy who's been in a, in a high-profile situation and, and is a talented piece. Yeah, Again, I, I don't – you know, Kerry had some issues with the Lions. Uh, they were trailing for a good portion of that game and and pulled that one out. But uh, I just, I don't know. I think that's a scary game for them. Yeah, and, uh, he, and that was one of, in a, there weren't a ton of interesting regional scores, but 63 to 45, young over Lincoln Park, you know, a team that had beat them. That's, I wouldn't, I'd have thought, you know, 10 points at best for either team. I, I thought it would be a close game. So clearly Whitney Young's playing well. Um, I've seen Curie a lot. I wasn't too surprised. Curie's first halves are often lackluster. It seems to be an issue with them. Eventually, that if anything bites them, that's going to bite them. They're going to get down too bad in yeah. a first half. And the other semi, Ken with Simeon. That's you know what we're seeing. Uh, you, you and I talked about it a little bit. <laughs> it's a De- soft De- you know, Devin, yeah. Devin Cleveland yeah. is a special talent. Yeah, but now it's different because now the ball is actually in his hands. It's it's he's the guy. He's forced to be the guy. Uh, and he's a freshman that if he were anywhere else, uh, you know, as that freshman, he'd be, be putting up similar numbers to that of, you know, Davion Thompson and Jackson Davis. I firmly believe that. I, I think he could be talked about in the same, you know, paragraph, uh, as, as those two superstar freshmen. And now he's getting his time and, and he's taking the, making the most of it. Uh, you know, Simeon is kind of just trucking along. And it took care of – Simeon's won a lot of close games this year. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. and that, that that led them to another close regional championship game edging Hinsdale Central. So uh, I I think 
I don't know if I, I mean, that was their first game. Then they had to beat RB. Yeah. And it's a tough game for me to call. I mean, I, I mean, Kenwood is playing with a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge to him, I think. A little something to prove. Yeah, it, uh, it would be impossible to call if you hadn't seen this new Kenwood team. Yeah. It's it's too difficult. The, the drop off is is steep after mm. the 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 three guys. Um, right. I don't. Simeon's going to smell blood in the water. I mean, this is in a season in which Simeon believes they should have been ranked all this time. I put him in at twenty five today. Uh, for all the faults and youth of this team, they play so hard. This Simeon team, they come to play every game, every minute. That's maybe the best thing Tim Flowers has brought. I've been really impressed with that. I think Simeon's going to take them. <laughs> I think yeah. it could be bad. Yeah, I noticed that at Pontiac, just the energy yeah. that they played with. Even the guys on their bench, they were into it, uh, which would set up a Simeon curious. I, I, I guess my point is this sectional is usually so loaded. And it's still loaded name-wise, but the, getting through this sectional is not what it was, I don't know, for how many years it's been. You know, this it, it, is just... This is... What, what this is, Joe, RB, Oaklawn, Lion, or I guess maybe not Lion, RB and Oaklawn especially, you guys blew it. I, I just yeah. got to say it. You are never again going to basically play a sophomore team in your regional, in this sectional with a chance to go and do this. This was your year. This was your shot. What happened? I mean, this is this final four. Whitney Young's basically a sophomore team. Kenwood is a sophomore team with Kelvin Robbins. It literally is. There's, there's not a junior playing. I mean, Chris Watkins, sorry, there's one that came off the bench for Kenwood. It's Kelvin Robbins and a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. And Oakland couldn't pull that off. I know it was at Kenwood. And then RB, Simeon's a sophomore team with one senior. This was it. This was the year, and you didn't do it. And now we've got basically a sophomore tournament plus Curie in a sectional final. It's so weird. Yeah, the door was open, and yeah. you know, that sectional just is not you know materializing to anywhere near what it you know, used to be. Now, the case at East Aurora sectional, that one's loaded. Uh, you've got four teams, Mike, that, I, you know, I – I don't think they're, I think they're all ranked in your top 12, I think. Uh, potential of a potential rematch coming up in the championship game that I, I just, I love both these games and I think it's going to be fascinating. You know, Bowlingbrook Bennett is one semifinal and then Wabansi Valley and Downers Grove North. You know, you've got some, some new blood there with Wabansi Valley uh, against these three teams that more or less have all been there and done that in recent years between Bennett, Bowlingbrook and Downers North. You know, I, I, Bolingbrook's playing the best of all of them, uh, headed into this, you know, the state playoffs and they took care of business at a tough regional. And it, it's just a interesting that the, the key players in that game, you talk about non seniors. I mean, you've got two hottest players right now for, you know, Bennett are both sophomores, Gabe Slarsky and, uh, Jaden Wright. And then obviously the, the freshman, Superstar for Bolingbrook, Davion Thompson, and then you know JT Pettigrew is just a junior. So these are two teams that are going to be, you know, primed and ready to get to Champaign this year if they can get out of this rugged sectional. But uh, obviously, two of the top teams even going ahead into next year. Yeah, the Bolingbrook Bennett game is so interesting because those are teams, those are programs that have routinely wound up, you know, in the state finals for the last decade. 
So mm-hmm. for them to, to go at it here, and, and not to mention that all the young talent on that court, that's going to be very fun. Uh, I got to admit, though, I think I I like Bennett as much as anybody this year. Uh, you know, huge Solarski guy, and I just I think they're a fascinating team to watch. But I feel like Bolingbroke's a, a heavy favorite over all these teams right now, personally. I might pick Bolingbroke to win it. I don't at all call them a heavy favorite. I just think these two teams are too – all of them are too sound. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I think Downers North, North, that experience of done it last year, it, it helps. That, that game's going to be interesting just with the the type of defense that Wabonsi Valley plays and in terms of specifically shutting down Jack Stanton, that's going to be something to watch within that game. But, uh, yeah, Bolingbrook's the favorite. Uh, I just, I don't know how many times are we going to doubt Bennett uh, you know, in the postseason. I, I, what I want to know is what's the deal with, I love these 6 p.m. sectional final, sectional semi-start. Yeah, why is, why where, is the target at 7? Where they come from, the 6 p.m. starting yeah. times? I, I don't know. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, it's great. But I don't know why the sectional championship there then goes to 7. That's, anyway. Um, Friday night traffic. Uh, indeed. <laughs> The other section I, you know, I want to look at to here is, is is the one um, up at Maine South. It's, I think both of us thought, I have nothing to say about this. I think <laughs> one of us or both of us thought one of the top four seeds would have lost. I did at least. Yeah. I, I thought somebody would have lost among the, the top four seeds, but they're all got, they all got through. Uh, I think the, the one of note to me is, you know, I was, going to call Glenbrook North the favorite in this sectional to win it. Josh Friedman went down their, their terrific point guard. He came back for the regional championship game and scored 20. So without having seen the game, he must be pretty healthy. If he was able yeah. to, to pump in 20 that to me. Now I go back to my previous thought from three weeks ago that Glenbrook North uh, is the most dangerous team in that sectional. And with him healthy, you know, again, I made pre pre picks. I I picked Glenbrook South to win this game, but uh, I think right now Glenbrook North is is probably my team to beat in in that those four teams. But I, I mean, I think they're both toss up games. Actually, both of them. Yeah, to me, this whole thing's a toss up. I have no idea who I'd pick in the title game, depending on how it went. I am I'm happy that it worked out that it's at a neutral site, so at least. These four teams, nobody's got the home court advantage. That feels good to me since they're all so tight and close. Except um, for the doubleheader with massive crowds, uh, which I don't like. But I 5.30 p.m. start there, I see. 5.30 and 7.45, so they're obviously putting enough time to clear the gym. But I, I don't know. I, I, don't like, Lo- I don't sectional doubleheaders. I don't like. I think Loyola and Trier will have a massive crowd. I feel like those two teams always disappoint me with their crowds. Oh no! I was at a Thanksgiving game that was okay packed. Um, yeah, that's a that's we 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 skipped. We got a couple here left here. Addison Trail. Yeah, some. I, I mean, it was, to me, it was always Lake Park and York. I still think it's Lake Park and York. Uh, they played earlier in the season. I think they'll both meet Friday night. Uh, the Glenbrook, Glenbard, no, it's never easy. <laughs> it's cliche, I know, but to beat a team a third time and Lake Park with they beat him twice. So it's 49 to 45 back in December. 
and then 44 to 42 in double overtime. So, and that was at Lake Park, February 2nd. So, I mean, those are as two tight a games as you can get. Yeah. Lombard North is talented. I go with the star player and Lake Park. I, uh, Last year, I saw Wavonzi Valley Bolingbrook, and I remember texting Joe, and I'm like, this Tyreek Coleman kid's pretty good. I did not think he was going to become this good this quickly. I was just like, oh, he's a sophomore to watch. Well, I feel the same way about Glenbard North's sophomore this year. His name's Josh Abushanab. Um, I might be pronouncing that horribly wrong. Now he was on Coleman was not on varsity as a freshman. I believe um, Abu Shanab was, and I liked him last year. Saw him again this year, a couple times. Now he's six, four, very long, very active guard. You know, he's been kind of like Coleman was last year. He's a complimentary guy in that Glenbard North team. But if you go to that game, keep an eye on him. I think he's a really interesting player to watch that could start to break out over the next few months. And I think I, to me, this feels like what you said, Joe. This might be the one where it's too hard to beat them three times. And yeah, I mean, obviously, by the scores, I'm not going to be shocked if they lose. Yeah. Uh, I so I we'll see. Um, I, I don't like Lake Park's schedule. I feel like they should have. They just needed to be challenged more this year. You know. It, yeah, that's my because we knew this team was going to be good. We were both high on them. I just feel like they didn't, you know, they got blitzed by Mount Carmel and that one kind of the only top team we've seen them play. So I'm just a little worried about um, Billy Pitcher did try to get into wind sides collide. So I'll give him that. I, I'm Joe, so it's, well, it's your fault. My, it's my fault. But uh, <laughs> oh, so no, I mean, he did try to, to, to schedule up a little bit. Um, you know, they, they haven't lost Mike since December. Yeah. I and mean, they have just rolled, but to your point, they, they don't, they haven't played or, I mean, York is about the only team that they play that's been ranked in the whole second half of the season. Yeah, that um, scares me. That's what I'm talking so, about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Joliet West is another hot team. Uh, Justice McNair is, has really come on. He's the 6'3 veteran senior guard, head to Valparaiso. Uh, they take on a the big one in the rich sectional. Homewood Flossmore. So, I obviously Homewood Flossmore is a team to beat. I can they do it, Mike? It's unlikely. Uh, nice to see Drew King step up with Rich Township. For those who haven't seen Rich, they're a very fun, talented team. But if you can stop them from getting to the rim and their shots aren't falling, which you know they're not super great shooters, that's a great recipe. And Drew King. Apparently swatted everything in sight <laughs> based on those stats and talked about how physically was, you know, he's a very, he's one of the more experienced varsity players in the whole state. You know, he's been around since sophomore year and he came up big in that game, got Joliet West through, you know, they've got a, a lot of young guys starting to contribute. They're one of those teams that's teams has gotten better, but I think HF's probably a bridge too far for Joliet West. And I think, you know, that stay game, they only won by eight though. You know, HF they're, they didn't, didn't, I don't know, but but yeah, I'm pretty sure HF's going to be able to take it. On the other side, though, what's up with Bloom, Joe? I mean, they've really been scuffling. I think Marist is a team we haven't talked about a lot the second half. You know, we were really excited about them early. But if you 
look now after a, a bit of a downswing, which most teams have had this year, Marist has won 13 consecutive games since brother rice kind of blitzed him. I was at that one that includes wins against Marion Catholic and Bennett. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at Marist bloom, it's like, Oh, this is going to be close, but based on current form, I mean, Marist is a heavy favorite. I think in this one blooms just has not been the same since they lost their big, you know, yeah, I like, I like Marist a lot in this. They've got yeah. a nice complimentary of, players in terms of backcourt balance and, 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 and size inside, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think they've just probably progressed and gotten better because they are pretty young. I mean, yeah. I know they got the influx of uh, boost from uh, Darshan Thomas, the transfer from Fenwick has been their, their best player. And, but there's a lot of sophomores that are contributing some juniors. So I just think it's a, a team that's steadily gotten better and better. I think they gained some confidence with that Bennett win, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was at that brother rice game and they just, they were never. Yeah. That was over quick. Yeah. yeah so, but I, but that was their last loss, I think. Yeah. So, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Maris in this one. I, I just like HF in, in this sectional, uh, you mentioned Bolingbrook as a, you thought a heavy favor. I think HF is a heavy favorite. In this sectional, uh, I think they uh, they get out of this one. I like the Marist. I think HF Marist, if that materializes, to me, that would be the best sectional final. I'm kind of in, okay, maybe not best, but the most intriguing. You know, we haven't seen HF against a team. Yeah, I, I just think that's a really fascinating matchup, and I'd like to go to it. I don't know if I'll be able to, but it's kind of where I would trend. What do you, no. do you, have, you have any choices? I don't, I'm, I'm just going to play out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Elgin, you know, we've got uh, the, the top four seeds all made it there as well. Mike, you know, I, I picked Palatine from the get go. Uh, they were hot coming in. Um, you know, you talk about schedules. I don't think Barrington, they're the one seed, but you know, they haven't been tested all that much uh, with the schedule that they, they've played. So, you know, Barrington plays Stevenson, Stevenson. This is, you know, they, they've kind of, I saw them early on this year, Stevenson, and I haven't seen them of late, but I saw them at Thanksgiving get drilled by Glenbrook South. I didn't have high hopes uh, for Stevenson. Obviously they've kind of persevered, improved, gotten better. And uh, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if Stevenson beats Barrington. In fact, and you know, I, I think they, I, I don't know. Are they favored even though they're the four seed? No, I would have Barrington favored personally, but I've not seen Stevenson live. I actually watched them on my computer while I sat in the Hinsdale Central Library and waited for the school board to come back <laughs> with the savage decision. I watched them play Warren because I just kind of like to watch Jackson Davis at all times. So I have not seen Stevenson live, but yeah, Barrington, um, yeah, I think they've got to be the favorite. But Lake Zurich, we did not mention. They've got, you know, Anton Strelnikov, the big. And to me, that wasn't maybe the second most eye-opening score. 61 to 45. Lake Zurich took down Rolling Meadows in that regional final. Yeah, I mean, Lake, they've been, that, that was the game Lake Zurich needed to because they have been close in a yeah. lot of these high-profile games that they faced all season long and Falling short, I've written about it about, I don't know how many games, like four or five of their losses by combined like 14 or 15 points. Uh, so they've been a lot of close ones. They haven't been able to get over the hump and beat, and beat a ranked quality team. Uh, and they did so obviously in, in impressive fashion. And, 
Yeah, that's, you know, you got Connor May with Palatine playing very well, winning the Mid-Suburban League. Uh, I I just like the makeup of this Palatine team. I think Eric Millstone's done a fantastic job kind of blending those pieces together around Connor May. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think also, too, you know, these are four, well, minus Stevenson and all those years. But, you know, Palatine and Lake Zurich are, are not accustomed to winning sectional finals, and one of them will be yeah. playing for one. And uh, and none of these teams can really match Strelnikov too. They don't have bigs, so that could be a real advantage for Lake Zurich. I think this is an interesting um, group. And man, Barrington, boy, well, whatever. We should move on here. But uh, don't forget last year, Barrington. Here they are again in a in a sectional semi. Pretty impressive. Uh, Rockford, Guilford, Joe. Um, Underrated game, Warren and DeKalb, I think. Uh, nice, yeah. I was gonna, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I do. I and I think whoever wins it wins the sectional. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Rockton Hananegos on the other side with McHenry, surprising McHenry. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like Warren. I think Warren gets through. They're going to have the best player on the floor. Jackson Davis is just, you know, he's just such a poised freshman. But, uh, I, I think that's going to be, uh, you know, I think some points are going to be on the board and it'll be a fun game up in Rockford. Yeah, DeKalb, uh, for those who don't know a lot about him, their best player is, a, a they have Sean Reynolds and, uh, what's the sophomore's name? Um, Grant. Grant, yeah, Devon Grant, I think. So they've gotten better through the year, as a lot of teams have. But your best player is a sophomore and a junior. That'll do it. But recently, wins against Nequa Valley, Lions, and Phillips. We've seen, you know, the ceiling of some of those teams. So yeah, I agree with Joe. That could be a really good one. I um, think that's everything in four A, right? That's all of our locals. Yeah, three yeah. A. Let's hit some three A, Mike, quickly here. Um. Ooh, you don't hear that on a Joe Henderson every day. <laughs> okay, go for it. Well, which 3A section are you most excited about? I mean, uh, I, I... He's El Sao. Okay. Not Fenwick? No. Are Not St. Viator? God, no. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how about Caneland? No. Well, well Thornton. Thornton, Br- Brother Br- Rice. Yeah. Well, Br- that'd be a game we can't talk about yet, but it's going to happen, Mike. You don't, don't think care. Marion Catholic has a chance to beat Brother I Rice? I love gritty Marion Catholic. No. Brother Rice is too balanced, too good, too many options, too many weapons, playing too well. Brother Rice. Haven't Thornton they beaten him it. once already? God, Brother Rice is playing the sectional <laughs> final. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I, I, I that's going to be the best 3A sectional championship right there. Well, at least in the Chicago area. You think it'd be better than Mount Carmel de La Salle? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was a really good game. I saw it once. Um, I wonder about Mount Carmel's health if they're gonna. If Lee Marks will be out there without Lee Marks. I, they could be in big trouble against De La Salle. Uh, a De La Salle can beat them. Uh, I just think from a from could, a um, yeah. fan perspective, I'm, I'm more excited about the other one. Could Lynn Bloom win this sectional? No. Ooh. Nope. They can't. Quick answer. Yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> seen like Hyde Park play without lee marks this year yet so i guess i mount, mount carmel you mean much about it sorry yeah mount carmel play yeah. without him so i haven't i guess i haven't really seen that i guess the fenwick we got westinghouse peyton and pat's fenwick um westinghouse is pretty miffed about the uh all city selections Pats or fenwick coming out of there i mean that's oof. i mean all the power to him for winning a sectional final but our second championship. Fenwick's at home. That's got to help, right? Especially in that weird little gym. Yeah, and they, they've they've 
uh, you know, I talked about them. Oh, that's, I got to cash in on my stock, Mike. Fenwick wins this thing. Remember, I bought all my Fenwick stock. That's right. Um, I wanted to pick your brain on the St. Pat's versus Intrinsic um, regional final. Oh, yeah. I, I was at it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, 3A. Some, someday this will all make sense and it'll seem worthwhile, Joe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, DePaul, Notre Dame. Yes. Mm. Fenton couldn't get the job done. Or, or... Yeah. That was the shame. I, I kind of wondered how that was going to go. It's only scored 29 points. So that, that's... Ridgewood's the only double seated team that made it into a sectional at a, yeah. a gr- grueling road through Gray's Lake Central and Lakeview. Oh, Joe, what uh, was your tweet about the three A points scored? I, I, I liked that. Oh. Do you remember it? <laughs> but, uh, there were <laughs> 16 teams, or was it 18? 16 or 18 it was that failed to score 40 points in a regional championship game across the state. Uh, That's an alarming number because it's by far the most we've had. It's just a small sample size of one game on one night of regional championships. But I I started late late night after getting home from a Moline game. But anyway, the – as you dug deep into it, I just kept going and going and going all the way back to when four class system started. So I pulled out one year of, I think it was 08, 09, and there wasn't a single team, I don't think, in my tweet that scored less than 40. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the responses were shot clock, shot clock, shot clock. I, I don't necessarily think that's necessarily true. There's a single reason. Sure, I'm sure in some cases, uh, but. I just think it's quality of teams, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's teams that uh, I I had a coach that jokingly tweeted to me that's still in it. Defense, defense, Joe. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. I don't want to pick on 3A, man. It, it's just <laughs> too late. <laughs> I, 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 I can't keep doing it. It's just yeah. so watered down from top to bottom. There's still some really good teams at the top of 3A. Don't get me wrong. There are 3A teams that could win 4A titles. Yeah. I truly believe that. Uh, there's probably a three or four of them. But there are roads to get to Champaign. Come on. It, it is just, I mean, I, I could argue DePaul's roads easier in 3A than it was in 2A. Yeah. So, and it's not anybody's fault. It's there. It's it's you play who's in front of you. And, and uh, but from a aesthetically pleasing standpoint it's just not you know for me i'll wait till they're playing in champagne to get to a postseason game although i take that back my super sectional tentative date is a 3a super sectional so there you go metamora and thornton if you make it i'll be there in ottawa oh boy another one i'd like to but i can't make these promises based on the news going on i could be anywhere well thanks for listening everybody and we will be back next week or yes next week it is with the state tournament preview oh boy have a good week enjoy the uh, last week of the season in high school gyms we'll be back next week